just to kind of recap, I think these are three great, real actionable takeaways. You know, that, that, that first one, you know, don't skimp out on your training and your development and your coaching of your staff. Like, like really don't do that, right? And, and, and through that training and the development and coaching, you're going to be able to set actual proper goals and objectives because you know why you're making those goals and objectives, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, second, special orders. You know, you, you need to have a process, you know, for those special order parts. And I love what you're saying as far as, you know, prepaid, you know, special mm-hmm. orders go. And, and then mm-hmm. thirdly, you know, you need to do that, that quarterly audit, right? And just make sure that, you know, your wholesale accounts are exceeding. You said the baseline was 10, 10%? For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, yes, sir. I can hear you. All right. We're in color. Hey, Sean. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me today. I've been really looking forward to putting this piece together. Like I said, I just don't think there's enough parts content out there. And, and I hate to say it, but it's actually pretty difficult to find <laughs> people that will want to come online and jam with me about parts. So thank you so much for taking your this time. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to jam thank with me you. today. Uh, for the people out there that don't know who you are, Sean, um, how about that little two-minute introduction of kind of how you got started in the industry and uh, up till today? For sure. So uh, I, or I really could start back uh, when I got out of college. Um, I took uh, business management, and when I got out, uh, of course, my whole my whole uh, goal was to become an entrepreneur, own my own business. But when you come out of college, you got no money. Uh, really, you got no talent. And uh, so where do we go from there? So uh, my my parents were involved with uh, used wrecking yard and um, also stock car racing. So cars and parts and playing with this stuff, you know, was kind of who I was. It's just so, in your blood. It's just, that's the way you were raised. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so anyway, I got a job at a Ford dealer and of course I started as a shipper two weeks later. I'm a parts person. I'm working the counter. That's a whole story in itself. You know, uh, pick out the phone is basically it. Hey, your parts guy today. It starts today. Pick out the phone. I pick Answer it up. The phone. I understand parts, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, fast forward, um, you know, a couple years, I'm then selling uh, heavy truck and school bus parts at the same Ford dealership, you know, when Louisville and, and Sterling Trucks was a thing. And, uh, and then, of course, um, thereafter, I became assistant parts manager and then parts manager and uh, parts manager then for multiple locations and then fixed ops uh, director for, uh, you know, multiple locations. So uh, I've been trained, an ADA trained, and um, also I've been consultant, uh, con- trained for probably uh, a decade. So I'm really well versed in parts, and I, of course I love this stuff. And, and, and then today uh, I run a tech company uh, called NADPE, and we help dealers get rid of idle and obsolete parts inventory. So of course parts inventory and the data and the phasing, phase out criteria is, you know, my thing. And I think that's key. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much data is actually involved when it comes to parts. And, you know, they, they just kind of think that it's just inventory that's just kind of sitting in the back there. But there is a lot of math. There's a lot of planning that goes in to really structuring out a proper inventory. It's not just, you know, I think sometimes, you know, a lot of dealer principals out there may just assume that their their DMS system is just kind of managing some of these efforts for them. But it, it is still, I think, one of the few places within a dealership that does require a bit of a craft, a bit of an art form to it. 
Exactly. I mean, where you get all that stuff is training. And, and of course, formal training helps because it's very specific. Whereas um, if you think about training from one generation to another generation to another generation without formal training, you know, over time, it's a dilution of skills, skill sets. And, uh, you know, ultimately, if you can't parrot a very technical criteria to handle parts coming in, what you consider active and what you consider idle parts inventory, the stuff you shouldn't have, the stuff that doesn't come on a stock order, mm -hmm. can't parry a very technical criteria, um, then effectively you're using your gut, right? Or you might be using your head, but, but uh, essentially there's no mathematical uh, methodology behind how you're controlling inventory. That's no different than, uh, you know, giving someone your RSP uh, to handle and say, go ahead, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't stand it when I hear that. And I do, I do hear that comment a lot. Like, well, I feel like we should order this. Mm -hmm. What the hell do you mean? You feel like you should order this? Is this, is this, is this, a, is, this you, is it a feeling in the arm? Is it in the chest? Right. I mean, how right. the hell is that a feeling? I mean, is the freaking numbers telling you you should order this stuff or not? <laughs> well, it, it all comes down to training, right? And, uh, you know, basically when you look at a stock order, uh, you're, you're the stock order should be an exact result of not what the computer says, but what you've put in and built the system to tell you. So the DMS, uh, I know some guys will say, I don't trust the DMS. I don't trust what the stock order tells me. They don't trust any of the information in it. So they review everything one by one, line by line. And of course, that's, that's key to know that a guy's not technically trained because every DMS is set up. Mm -hmm. to handle the input on a technical, a technical way, a methodology to be able to qualify what is and isn't uh, for stock. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's key. That's, you know, your cue number one um, is, is exactly that, but it all comes down to training, right? If yep. I would like to, I'd like to think of it this way. If I'm a dealer principal, you know, used car inventory in, in my finance department, I got a, a handle on and, and I'm well trained at it, right? And anybody you put in there has to be at your training level or more, obviously. Yep. But when it comes to parts department, that's not the case. But imagine if we ran finance department or used car department and the inventory control exactly like we run parts, it'd be crazy. Right? It'd be a shit show. That's what it'd be. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but, but you're 100% you're right, right? Um, you know, there's there, there's training, Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just training them on the what to do, you know, and then there's development. Right. So so we tra we train them on the, on the what to do is. But then we need to develop them to do it better. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's coaching, you know, and then we actually have to coach them so that their performance continues to rises and that it actually meets our, our dealership's goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. I feel like we, we get like one level in. Yeah, right. Just, just right. Bar barely teach them how to actually use the system, and mm -hmm. then ah, we don't need continued mm -hmm. development. We don't need continued exactly. Coaching. Like we'll just ah, yeah. he knows how to he knows how to push right. the buttons. <laughs> well, some of it is is so guys will know how to run an operation on a day to day basis because yep. they live and breathe it every day. But it's really how do we handle the money, the investment of capital in parts inventory is mm -hmm. the same as the investment of capital in used car inventory, no different. Uh, but so the lack of resources for technical resources for parts managers um, is, is kind of where, you know, the, one of the problems that guys run up against, whether you're a DP or a parts manager or somebody in the middle, a, a general manager, where do we get this stuff besides NADA? There mm -hmm. are resources out there. I, I did a, I just built an article probably a month ago that outlays, uh, lays out all the, 
different resources and where to get them. And besides NADA, which obviously there's some expense, but there's incredible value, right? Um, there's resources that are relatively cheap to, to get started mm -hmm. uh, and get moving on training. No, I, I agree with you. Training is the very, very first step, right? They, mm -hmm. they need they need to understand, understand the activities. We need to develop out those activities to be more effective. And we have to continue to coach them to, to make sure that those activities are actually meeting what our goals and objectives are. But you know, actually, that's another fun. That's a fun thing. How often have you actually been in a dealership where the dealership actually had a parts goals and objective? Uh, I mean, I would, at least in my bubble, yeah. uh, the, the world that I came from, I mean, we had that stuff, but we were also uh, group 20 guys. So, you know, that was part of our program. I yeah. do think though, uh, at least my experience with the performance groups is, is inventory handling specifically, besides measuring, uh, you know, uh, months, no sales and how much is obsolete, you know, just measuring the, the, the inventory um, in, in terms of aging or, or gross or expense percentages, mm -hmm. but actual technical training on how to deal with the inventory to get it in line. Um, is not taught, but the dealer group 20 guys they're they all have goals and such. I, I would speculate about the guys outside of that, or they have very general goals or not very specific enough to, to really uh, get a, a big handle on inventory control. Think about it like this. Every, every um, management meeting you have, uh, the dealership has a manager's meeting. Mm -hmm. Use car inventory is talked about all day, all meeting long, right? Use yep. car inventory, the controller's on it, GM's on it, DP's on it, use car manager, they're all over that. And then it's like, okay, parts, what do you got? Well, I don't know. I got nothing. I got a big order coming in. You know, program order, <laughs> big discounts. Okay. I, th I think we've been in the same meetings together. <laughs> you might have. I remember this bald-headed guy, right? <laughs> no, because it is. That's literally what it sounds like. It, it really is, you know, um, is that we'll spend all this time over here. Because I think what it is, unfortunately, in a lot of dealerships, the parts department just gets treated as a support department, not as an actual business generating revenue department in itself. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's kind of there to support used cars reconditioning efforts is there to support the service department and and hey it'll do a little bit of wholesale so that ah, we're good you know well you know that's 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 a problem for the majority of the industry but it's yeah. also a major opportunity when you really yes, think yes. about fill rate fill rate's a big deal whether we're talking about retail customer or wholesale customer but more in particular your shop right? Uh, yeah. Or even um, used car department reconditioning, how quick you get those things turned around. We know that you're losing money by the day with a used car just sitting waiting on parts, right? So parts inventory fill rate is, is, is huge. But here, here's something that, that I want people to consider. Think about the process that a customer or even, even your dealership goes through to, to handle one single service customer. So the, yeah. first off, the customer has to call, uh, it might go through a receptionist and maybe a BBC person or somebody to book a reservation. Uh, then they come through the drive-through, a service advisor touch it. You got a porter to move the car. The technician touches it. That's only the first half. Then the second half, we do almost the whole thing in reverse order again, right? And then the customer has to come again. Think about if we don't have a part that we should have, and there's a technical criteria, right, where, where you have the least risk but the greatest fill rate, right? That's what technical methodologies and parts inventory controls about. But think about if you handle this customer twice, cause you got to bring them back in, you're only getting paid once. Right? Yeah, exactly. Twice paid once you're losing all day long. 
Oh, all day, all day long, all day long. So uh, look, I think it's a great, and I think this is a good direction. So we'll just kind of keep heading this direction. First step, you know, we'll just talk about real actionable steps, you know, because sometimes we can sit here and we can talk about, you know, theory and good ideas, yeah. but you know, let's really get this an action plan. You know, um, let's talk, uh, you know, it's like, you know, getting your parts department into shape, you know, what does that look like? Right. And I think like you said, the first thing training, first thing is training. I, I would say, the, the, the very first resource, uh, you can't really do anything if you don't have training because you don't really know where to start, or what to do or what that even exactly. means. Mm -hmm. I would say kind of 101, there's a, a book um, that Mike Nichols wrote and I'm trying to think of uh, what it's called, but it's, it's a couple hundred pages, but it's, it's so well written that anybody, whether it's a parts person or a dealer principal could read this thing and, and it's, it's well written, has lots of illustrations and such. But it also will convert you from somebody that, that doesn't have any experience to somebody that, okay, now I really know what I'm doing and I can do it on a technical level. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean a dealer principal can come in and start running softwares and such, but the book is so well done that, that if you're already a parts manager, the technical stuff is like, oh my God, like now I can really get going on this. And if you're anybody else from, you know, fix ops manager up and, and you don't have parts experience, this stuff, I mean, it's incredible. I would say start there is, is, that's a great resource. I, I appreciate that. In fact, actually, when we do this podcast, I'm going to make sure we put a link in there, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. I, I'm thinking when I, you know, when I had my dealership that I didn't know of a lot of resources, you know, I was kind of mm -hmm. left to myself to kind of figure this out. So that's an awesome mm -hmm. resource. We'll make sure we add that, that link down below guys. Um, so, so let's say we get them trained. Okay. We, get, we, we, we develop them out. We, you know, then we start really kind of setting up a biweekly coaching effort, you know, to, you know, make sure that that performance or those goals objectives are being kind of meet, you know, let's say that portion of it we're, we've completed, we've done our, let's say that takes four, mm -hmm. four to six weeks, right? We're really kind of deep dive into this and then we continue afterwards, you know, our core, our biweekly meetings. Um, what are some of the best practices next to really make sure that we have a well-structured inventory? Well, first, if anybody is going to move parts department along, it has to be someone that, that also understands parts enough. So either you need somebody outside or that can be a uh, fixed operations manager all the way up to DP, but you got to have the skill sets to be able to have that conversation with the parts manager who just read this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Or who's just been trained on this. If you don't, then he's, then he's, he already knows more than you. You're doing, you're just doing the same thing you've done for the last 20 years, right? So I would encourage you to read that book. The book is actually called Professional Inventory Management Guide Version 3 by Mike Nichols. Um, but so you have to, you, before you can start setting, setting any sort of goals, you got to be well equipped enough to be able to say what that goal looks like. Yep. That book is where you would get it from. I would say next step is actual is, is implementation, which means now, now you're trained on the methodologies of how to handle parts inventory. And now we need to we need to apply that to the entire parts inventory, not only on what we have on hand, but also how we deal with every stock order and every special order part. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you need to take that methodology that you've just learned, and it's not it's not super hard, right? It's this stuff's not rocket science. Um, then you got to put it in your DMS, right? And your DMS will basically do all the automation for you, right? A lot of guys say I don't trust the system. It's not the system. It's you. 
it's the, a product structure. Yeah, see, see, I think that's what people don't understand is that the DMS is just a tool. A tool is only as good as how well somebody utilizes that tool, right? You know, and, and you can structure that tool to however you want it structured. But if you just, it, it, it's, you don't just pull it out of the box and just let it be, mm -hmm. right? You need to give it some defined parameters so that it actually exactly. does its job. Exactly. So, you, you, I mean, you'll see guys that will spend half a day or whole day doing a stock order. Mm -hmm. If you can take what you know, and, and, and if you're using your gut, you can't put it into a computer system because you can't even define it. But when you're technically trained, you can, and I guarantee you every DMS is set up to handle this stuff. You put it in and the stock order pops out, you're just scanning this thing, looking through it and say, well, you know what, maybe a quarter panel doesn't make sense for me. And, and maybe it doesn't for all kinds of reasons. You can't return it or, you know, the thing's too big or, you know, you might want to qualify uh, body parts a little differently than, than mechanical parts will say. But nonetheless, you're just scanning inventory, uh, your stock mm -hmm. order, and say, let's go after it. But also, the reason that guys are scared to order inventory, right, or they're using their gut, is, is because they don't understand when they order it, what happens, and what the probabilities are. When you understand the probabilities, you'll hit the button all day long. You'll know exactly what to do, right? Because they're scared of the risk because, well, what happens 12 months from now is I'm stuck with this thing. But if you understand the, the probabilities of getting rid of this thing and, and uh, you know, you don't have a problem making decisions, it's very, and, and you just let the computer do it from there. Yeah, it, but you got to take the time. And I think that's the key here is that you, you need to take the time to really set that up so that the tool can actually do what it's designed to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. so, so, okay, so there's kind of, there's the next step. Now, now, once we kind of have, you know, our DMS, you know, uh, working in the way that we want it to work, all right, uh, which, by the way, saves a tremendous amount of time because, you know, I'm not having to do this manual effort now. It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really working for me, not working exactly. against me. Mm -hmm. You know, what what, are, what would be that next step? to? And we're talking about just trying to get someone to that, that, that best level, mm -hmm. that, that, that highest level of mm -hmm. setup as far as a parts inventory goes. Well, what happens is when you set up the DMS properly, now mm -hmm. the parts management report actually makes sense and actually yeah. reports proper proper stuff. So what, what happens then is now it gives you an idea of how this inventory is performing and what works and what doesn't work. I'll tell you that that uh, having um, just defining if parts inventory is good or bad, just solely by the number of 12 months no-sale obsolete parts inventory you have is it's a measurement, but it's not the only measurement. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, that's that's like saying, well, if my bank account is is greater than zero, I'm doing good, right? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, a measurement. it's a good analogy, by the way. It's really I, good. I wouldn't, use, I wouldn't use that as the only measurement, right? No. <laughs> so so what happens now is is understanding. Now you're technically trained to understand, you know, where the inventory is and and what you should have, what you shouldn't have. But now it's actually uh, putting together a plan on how to gain control of it mm -hmm. because you will have the biggest eye opening you've ever had if you've never implemented this stuff before. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like what we were talking earlier, you know, before we kind of get started here, you know, like you, you don't just have an obsolescence problem. You, you, you've had a problem. You're just now deciding to deal with the problem, right? It's, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Isn't that the funny thing? Like it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not one day you're like, oh shit, I got all this old crap. <laughs> So the focus is always on, you know, the 12 month and older stuff, because that's just kind of industry rule of thumb. It's been around forever. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, if, if I, if you look at used car department and you said, uh, you know, uh, anything that's 120 days old plus is a problem, 
uh, of course, you would deal with that 120-day-old stuff. That's a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, but really, when you start looking from the front side and say, well, how did I end up with this piece of junk to begin with? Or <laughs> if you have a bunch of them, how did I use So what you got to do is you actually got to implement policies and processes to, to stop it from the front side, not the back side. I mean, the back side has to be dealt with, but it's going to take a long time to clean that up. But you got to start from the front side. How did this thing get here to begin with? And the majority of the problem is not active parts inventory um, that you've brought in to sell, provided you use a, a methodology. I mean, if you're winging it, I mean, who knows what you're bringing in. That's true. Active parts inventory is not the problem. You know, when it starts to slow down, it's like, okay, these model years are not coming through my shop anymore. It's slowed down. The, those, there is a, a percentage of those uh, on an annual basis that fall off. But basically speaking, your real problem is special order parts, unsold and returned yes, special yes. order parts. And that happens on like day 17. The parts manager finds out, customer doesn't need it, tech uh, misdiagnosed, overordered, wholesale customer doesn't want it for whatever reason. That thing's a problem on day 17, not on day 365. No, so so what would you say best best practices, best activities? You know, how do we try to, like I said, we don't we don't just have a problem, we've had a problem. You know, let's mm -hmm. let's try, like you said, we'll try to you know nip it in the bud, you know, in early on. What is that? What does those best practices look like for you? What are you recommending to dealerships? In order to clean up uh, the problem from the front side? To, to ensure that it doesn't become a problem in the first place. Yeah. So, so really, I, I mean, first and foremost, of course, it's training. And mm -hmm. then it's get your DMS uh, in line with, with the methodology, uh, inventory control methodology that you learn. And then the next step is uh, implementing policies and processes to protect the dealer from owning a special order part that's been returned or unsold. And there's a whole list of things um, with, which that entails, but it means, you know, implementation time. So, okay. So let's talk about some of those policies and processes. What would you say uh, top three, top, top three policies and processes that you would say that really do affect that bottom line? Uh, in, in terms of aging parts inventory. Yes. Out of the way. So I would say you need to absolutely implement uh, prepaid special order parts. Okay. And, and, and that means over the counter, that means in the retail shop, that does mean internal too. I know mm -hmm. I'll have a lot of haters right now, but that's okay. Um, no, actually that makes sense. I, I've seen it happen. And you know, it's like the used car manager, you know, it, we, we had a special order apart on a vehicle that we don't normally carry. And then all of a sudden he decided to uh, wholesale the damn thing instead of retelling it. And here we are, we got this part back here for a, for a 2012 Volvo XC90 and I'm a Toyota dealership. <laughs> Or, or we've sold it, right? And now it's like, oh, well, it's sold. We don't need to put this on. But you're like, no, parts part was still stuck on this thing. But we still have a customer running around with it, this thing on there. So I would say the most pushback in prepaying pre special order parts you, mm -hmm. you'll have is not from the customer. In fact, it's all in your head. And, and the, the most part of the pushback that you'll get is internally from your people who are scared to implement it. They're scared of the customer pushback, especially in parts. We are technical people, right? Mm -hmm. um, not so much customer people. <laughs> That's true. Okay. It's your, hey, look, I'm one of them, right? I'm one of those guys. We're just going to throw it out there. We're, we, <laughs> you're right, though. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, I remember I, I had this part. I had this parts manager, <laughs> one of the most amazing guys in the world. I mean, I, I could eat lunch off the floor in the parts department. I mean, it was just immaculate i mean he had his thumb on the pulse of our parts department just in, in a beautiful way mm. but i would agree with you <laughs> no this is how it was parts hold <laughs> it was 
parts hold. That's the industry. Parts hold, parts hold, parts hold. I mean, I cringe when I hear that. I mean, I've developed some over the years. I'm not the parts hold guy anymore. But, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, you wouldn't allow that in, in sales. It, it, it drives me crazy, right? Because you wouldn't allow any, anything that happens in parts. And, and I'm not knocking parts by any means. Yep. We're doing the absolute best. We're drinking from a fire hose, right? Yep. And, and we're, we, we don't have all the resources and we're doing our best. But, you know, with, with the lack of attention becomes, you know, a, a lot of things don't become addressed that we're not good at. And that's from our, you know, I wouldn't say we get bad customer service. It's just we don't know how to, how to amp it up a couple levels, right? Sure. So what happens in the sales department and how you handle them, we don't have that training, right? And it's not well, in our nature to deal with people like that. It all that. comes back to what you were saying before, training right? You don't just need to train someone on the system. You know, you, you got to mm -hmm. train, you got to develop, you got to coach these people, you know, so, so that when they, when they do so they can expand your wholesale business and then mm -hmm. they can expand your over the counter business. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was, I had a huge passion for over the counter business and actually did a lot of that, you know, for the simple fact of being a Mitsubishi dealership, I wasn't going to make much money on the cars. I mean, I, I had to make money on the parts and accessories, you know, mm -hmm. so I needed someone like that could actually really mm -hmm. have those conversations, you know, both, wholesalers mm -hmm. and with customers mm -hmm. but i had to train you're 100 right i had to train i had to coach him it was not something that was necessarily in him from the beginning you know mm -hmm. but his skills for organization was and that's what i hired for so i hired for skills and then i trained you know i i, I trained for you know for um for performance right mm -hmm. yeah it can all be trained right i mean it's it's, it's like anything else uh, you can train them how to handle parts uh, on a technical level you can train them how to you know amp up his game in, in in every in every aspect for sure so i i love that i think that's a great best practice guys out there if you're not currently doing this for your special order parts i think you need to start doing it right right every special order part needs to be prepaid regardless if it's over the counter wholesale mm -hmm. or internal that needs to be prepaid it will hold everybody accountable for whatever that part is it's not just going to fall on the shoulders of the parts department so that's a good one what else the only thing that you can't prepay is warranty, uh, provided that the customer comes back. Um, but if the car is staying overnight, just hit prepaid. You can't prepay it because it doesn't make a difference, right? Yes. And some guys with the prepaid, uh, the implementation of the prepaid, all the DMSs allow prepaid uh, functionality to happen. Mm -hmm. um, what happens though is, is guys are concerned about um, how prepaid affects inventory. In, in, the um, reducing on-hand quantities and what does it show it shows one but I, it's reserved for a customer that can all be worked out in 20 minutes with your dms provider and just and the way you structure it that's all exactly guys are scared because my dms won't handle it it absolutely does you just got to spend 20 minutes with the dms mm -hmm. uh support and 20 minutes with your controller to do a mock one and, and see how it works with relieving inventory and how it works in the books upstairs but it, this is stuff is all a piece of cake and, and I think it's a great process. I think it's a great policy. Anything, what else would you recommend? So um, number two, I would say, uh, at least for your service department, um, I, would, I would get uh, uh, a handle on getting the service advisors to book uh, their next, the customer's next appointment for a special order part that they need to come back for. Get them to book that appointment before they leave. It's hugely important. Mm -hmm. um, that you do that. I mean, it adds, you know, it adds some weight uh, to, to the amount of parts, special or parts you're actually going to get rid of rather than being stuck with them and chasing this customer all around. Let's just get it done before he leaves. It adds uh, a lot of value trying to clean it up. I think that's a really clean process is that every special order part also has an appointment attached to it. 
Yeah. And, and, and order I, it unless it has an appointment. And, and I, I, so much so that I think it actually need, needs to even be written either in the notes field or even handwritten actually on that parts order form so that we know that there's immediately Absolutely. there's an appointment there's an appointment that's associated with it mm -hmm. so i'll tell you one of the hang-ups with mm -hmm. this process that that from a service aspect that, that they come across is so i'm a service advisor i have a quote and and uh, i sell the quote um but first my customer i don't know when i'm going to see all these parts so i'm selling a quote or you know i'm selling random lines on the work order i don't know when the parts are coming in so how can i book an appointment without then making another trip to parts and they got to mm -hmm. dig it all up. They got to punch this, this thing in. Um, and, and depending on the size, I mean, it could take five, 10 minutes, but, but here's the process that you implement to, to streamline that. Whenever we do a quote for service department for any part, we always put how many we have in stock. So we just go one in stock or two days away. Right? So every single part, it's easy. An advisor can scan this, say, okay, look, so on this particular line on the work order that my customer has to come back for the, the, Part that's furthest away is two days away so he knows to book him on third day right that's and actually that's, that's really clean i like that because for the most part whenever we ask the parts department the only thing that we really get from them is the on hand mm -hmm. or the time it would take but no not we don't suddenly ever get both so that i think that that that's 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 just prepping that's just good communication back and forth between them. Absolutely. It cleans up a lot of problems, right? Especially mm -hmm. if you only have one in stock and they're like, well, you know, I should, I should double check that or they'll tell the customer, look, I have one here now. Um, so, and the customer says, well, I'll call you back. I'll let you know. Okay. Right now I have one. But if you, if you, if we, if we miss this one and it gets sold to somebody else, we're two days away. So you get, you, you book on worst case scenario, right? Well, and then that makes sense. I've actually never seen that though in a report. So is this somebody like actually handwriting it then? Because I've, so, I've usually seen the on hand, but I don't remember seeing it showing, it almost like someone had to handwrite that. Is that how it works? So handwriting is, is so 1980. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but so what happens is every DMS allows a comment field. Under okay, that's where you're putting it. You're putting, you're putting in the comment oh, yeah. field. So okay. like something like CDK, you do like, uh, uh, quantity, so I'd put one space CO, it adds a comment line, and I put one in stock. Um, and if you needed to, you put the other two days away. Cool, cool. So, and I think that's probably a good point. You don't see that comment field utilized enough mm -hmm. uh, because it look, it, it look, it documents and mm -hmm. and it shows that there was proper communication back and forth between. So I'm thinking of putting my dealer principal hat on, you know, it's like, that's a clean process. That's exactly what I want to mm -hmm. see. It's like, you know, like, exactly. and you know, maybe even, you know, who, what was the advisor on it in the mm -hmm. first place, right? So it's like, yeah. I, you know, sometimes I swear, you know, it's like, there'd be a special order part in the back. I'd go grab it and I would literally spend almost 10 minutes hunting down what the hell this was actually for in the first place. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it was special order to the dealership. It wasn't, it, what, there wasn't necessarily a name associated with it. Then I had to go talk to the service manager. He didn't mm -hmm. know. I had to wait. The service advisor went there. He was off that day. So I'd wait till the next day, you know, and I was just like, what the hell was this for? Well, oh, it's just for so-and-so. Mm -hmm. It's just like, look, yeah. comments field. It, the comments field is yeah. there for a reason. Let's yeah. document the crap mm -hmm. out of this. <laughs> so, so with special order parts, you're absolutely right. The same process that you're talking about, you trying to identify it as a dealer principal, just strolling through parts from you pick up a part. Who's this for? You don't know. The problem is, is a parts guy will come across this, you know, maybe an individual parts guy, maybe a couple times a day. Um, he'll say, I show one on hand, but it's in the special order bin. But can I sell it or not? We don't know. There, there's a whole 
process on how to handle the special order bin and special order parts that come in the door um, to really clean that up. Uh, but you're absolutely right. That's a problem because I'll tell you what, what parts guys say. They say, I have what they show one in stock, but it's in the special order bin, like you were mentioning. He mm -hmm. doesn't sell it. He tells them, hey, look, it's two days away. When in fact, he could have sold it, but we don't have a, a process to, to handle the special order parts. So they don't take any chances. They just say, well, I don't, I'll, I'll, I don't see that one. Right? Path least resistance, of course. The thing could be there for 90 days. Who knows? Unless you've got like a real tight program and process. But I mean, that's a conversation in itself. No, but, but I mean, like, like, let's, you know, you know, first level, keep it simple. Yeah. Use the comments field. Really, really use the comments field, right? Document the crap out of it, right? Yeah, exactly. So I would say the third thing, um, if we're to list the top three, mm -hmm. although there's a couple more, uh, I would say that a, a large percentage, so your, your a large percentage of uh, special order parts or idle parts inventory or those parts 12 months later that are a huge problem, yeah. Uh, come from wholesale customers. <laughs> and the more you're in the body shop, the worse it is. Yes. Sure. And, and, and uh, so the, there's really three different, um, three different segments of parts that you sell to. So you sell to the shop, which includes warranty, internal and retail. Then you sell to over-the-counter retail and then you sell to wholesale. So out of those three different categories, you'll have retail counter, which has the lowest volume and has probably like a 10% return rate across across the board right most of it's human error or customers just don't want it but most of that stuff I would say a decent percentage anyway you'll get some weird stuff but some of that stuff is filled from from inventory mm -hmm. so it doesn't really create a huge problem when it comes to idle and obsolete parts inventory but then you have the shop which is the largest number that exists in terms of sales they mm -hmm. have a huge amount of, of parts that get returned some of like a lot of it, of course, is built from parts inventory, but as a percentage, your shop is not the problem. Where you'll have uh, wholesale is, is a fairly large number usually, but their return numbers are usually fairly big, like out of proportion, where the, the shop will order and put on so much parts inventory from, from parts, um, they'll return some, but they never use up the amount that you would get from the manufacturer on the amount of parts. Of course. Right? So you actually yep. end up with like, uh, extra return allowance generated from the part sales through the shop, yet you have wholesale that will wipe that out and more that you don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So the, 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 I guess the third point would be um, look at the return rates on your wholesale customers. And uh, I would really key on those ones that are, you know, 15% or more, 10%. I mean, kind of the rule so, of thumb so is 10%. That's what, that's what I was asking you. So what is a fair amount of return expectation from your wholesale? Because I, I remember when, when I, when I took over my dealership, we did the buy sell. Um, you know, I, I literally, we were going through all this stuff. There were multiple trailers in the back and you know, there was, I ended up opening one trailer and it was, it, this stuff was so old. It wasn't even documented in their inventory anywhere, but I was talking about, I mean, there must've been half a dozen bumpers, uh, door sills, um, uh, body panels. I was like, holy crap. I mean, there must have been at least ten dollars or $15,000 with the body parts just, just, yeah. just hanging out back there. It happens to be that body panels are the worst because there's only a few specific customers that handle that stuff. Yeah. And of course, it's low volume. And uh, so th those are those are usually hardest to, to, to get rid of, right? Whereas an alternator, 
you know, you can kind of bring it into stock and maybe eventually, you know, kind of work around. Right. But body panels is, is a bit different, but the volume of, of a body order is usually or body shops that order from you is usually fairly big, but that also mm -hmm. means that if they return something, it's fairly big. Right. Yes. And depending on your dealer size, the smaller you are, the more it hurts. Right. Yep. Uh, because they use up uh, returning like one part could be $500. And uh, how do you measure that? I'm just trying to think, is there, I don't know if I necessarily remember. Yeah. I remember so there being a dollar amount. Yeah. I don't remember so if it was calculated as a percentage. Yeah. Inside the DMS, there's a report to report on your customers. Okay. And then if it's only reporting the dollars, credited dollars, you just divide that into the sale dollars. Though that's in there um, to come up with a percentage. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's really that easy. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's a key, a key point though. For the majority of the DMSs, if you have a customer that's a diesel, for an example, a diesel, a diesel customer, um, mm -hmm. they will buy parts which have a lot of cores on them, like an injector that has like a $250 core value on it, but the injector yep. itself is $250, so it's really $500. So you sell it for $250, well, a little better than that, obviously, with profit, but you sell it with the core, the $250 core for one injector. But when he returns it, you give him $250 back. That $250 shows as, as a, a credit. Right. And they're big numbers. Like if you have, yeah, no, they are. They add up really fast with engines or transmission assemblies yeah. or diesel parts in particular, they'll have huge return values. But for the most part, um, the return values are from cores and, and you can't control that. It's just a BMS setup. But, but for the most part, um, customers that have in very, in particular over 15% return, um, you know, those are problem guys that you've got to get a handle first. I think that's a really good, practice i mean that's just a real good best practice i mean would you recommend that they do this maybe on a, on a quarterly basis of just taking you know your you know your top i mean wholesale accounts and just cross-referencing if you need to do the math do the math real quick and just ensure mm -hmm. that they're just under that and if they're over then i guess a conversation has to happen right yeah you have to you have to look at um you have to look at from a whole right like it, it could be it could be that you know, it's, it's a one-up month and that's possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it happens with every account and, and sure. keep in mind that um, some of this is, is parts been aired and even some of this inventory, especially with the mechanical stuff, this inventory is filled from stock. Uh, but, but for me, at least if, if you're just trying to get into this and trying to get a handle on inventory, like starting from, you know, from base level, mm -hmm. trying to figure this out, really key on the ones that have the highest returns and you will find that they are body shops. But here's something about body shops. Body shops, it's very competitive, right? These guys, they order such volume in the, the dealer world to have these body shops because of the volume, right? Because we're always pushing in, in, in annual meetings and even monthly meetings. Well, you know, the, the manufacturers are also supporting your volume. They're, they're throwing bonuses and additional additional rebates out there for you hit those. There is. So yeah. But, but what happens is we don't think about, so we go aggressive and the, and the profit margin usually on body parts is thin, especially Real in the thin. competitive region, right? Sometimes it just doesn't make any sense to do uh, business with body shops or you, or more in particular, you need to have a conversation so you can realign it. And that's what that that's what I think the case is you got to have a conversation you need to communicate with these people you know yeah. you really you really need to build a relationship out with mm -hmm. these body shops because you're right margins are low and you just but I like this quarterly just ensuring that they're not over or un, you know if they're if they're over that limit look you're right like you said the conversation right right you're gonna have the conversation because look in business everybody has to win and and if that's lopsided 
Um, and in the body business, body shop business, when it comes to parts, if there's a loser out of that relationship, I'm telling you it's part Spartan. It is. It is. And, and look, I think you're hundred percent right. Look, everybody has to win at this mm -hmm. and it needs to be overly fair. Mm -hmm. You know, Sean, you know, I, I really appreciate your time, you know, coming on today. And then this was a great chat. And just to kind of recap, I think these are three great, real actionable takeaways. You know, that, that, that mm -hmm. first one, you know, don't skimp out on your training and your development and your coaching of your staff. Like, like really don't do that. Right. And, and, and through that training and the development and coaching, you're going to be able to set actual proper goals and objectives because you know why you're making those goals and objectives, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, second special orders, you know, you, you need to have a process, you know, for those special order parts. And I love what you're saying as far as, you know, prepaid, you know, special mm -hmm. orders go. And, and then mm -hmm. thirdly, you know, you need to do that, that quarterly audit, right. And just make sure that, you know, your wholesale accounts are exceeding. You said the baseline was 10, 10%. Uh, yeah. So, so basically 5% is optimal. Yep. And then 10% is like, I got to kind of pay attention. Right. Mm -hmm. And at say 15%, um, you know, that's, that's warning and anything over 15%, it's, you know, you get, you got to figure out how to fix it. And it, it, I agree with you. And, and I'm sure um, that the service and system that you guys offer also assist in a lot of these processes as well. For anybody out there that would like to learn more about what you guys are doing and how you can assist and help their parts department, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, I would say uh, through our website, all of our contact information is there. It's a North American dealer parts exchange. Uh, and of course, short form is NADPE.com. You'll find it all there. That's awesome. And and how can people connect with you and kind of keep on tabs with you? Uh, so we post, uh, you know, uh, technical stuff or fact-based stuff uh, for parts department, how to help, you know, our industry um, through LinkedIn. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn would be uh, the best, I would say. And guys, I really encourage you to do that. You know, Sean has posted and Sean and his team has posted some great content. And it's how I actually became aware of you guys and wanted to connect mm -hmm. out, connect and reach out to you. Hey, again, Sean, thank you so much for uh, taking your time Thanks, today sir. and jamming with me. I'm really looking forward to putting this together and putting it out there. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Have a good day. Thanks, sir. You too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.